It started off with Tennessee and Kansas City. Now, everybody knows that they were going to feed the beast, and Derrick Henry was going to be the beast they were going to feed throughout the game. And we knew that Kansas City was going to have to figure out how to stop this guy throughout the game. And we also know that Patrick Mahomes was going to be the star of the game. If Kansas City was going to have any chance of winning this game against a very hot Tennessee Titan team that played as good a defense as we've seen throughout the playoffs so far. We knew that Patrick Mahomes was going to have to step up, make the throws, and make plays in the open field. We also knew over the last couple of years, Andy Reid was not able to get out of the AFC title game, was not be able to get out of the divisional game. He's had problems getting into the Super Bowl. Since he went to the Super Bowl with the Eagles, I think it was 2004. So it's been a long time. It's been almost 15 years. This is one of the great offensive minds in the NFL. But not even that. When you weigh both teams, Tennessee with their defense and their running game, and Kansas City with their offense with the Hills, the Kelseys, and the weapons that they have in the open field, the Thomases, and then obviously Patrick Mahomes, you thought this was going to be a fun, exciting game. What you really saw in the second half of the game was a dominant Kansas City Chiefs take over a game that they, to me, a team that they were that much better than. In the beginning of the game, you saw the game completely transpire where Tennessee was up 10-0 with the blink of an eye. And Kansas City made a lot of mistakes early in the game, just like they did against the Texans. But as you saw Patrick Mahomes get comfortable in the pocket, his offensive line started protecting him and giving him a little bit more time, he was making throws. And what you saw in the second half was complete domination by Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is not only, if not the best quarterback in football right now, I would say he's a top three quarterback in football right now, but what he does with his legs is remarkable. This is a guy that's about 230 pounds, 235 pounds. He's got a strong arm, but the speed that this guy has on the outside is remarkable for a guy his size. Conor McGregor is a joke. Dana White is a joke. That whole organization is a joke. And it's not about my vendetta against Conor McGregor. The guy's a showman. We all know what he's capable of doing. We know he's a good fighter, but he's always trying to promote and sell his product. And you want to know something? He sure sold 246, that's for sure. And I, I'm, I'm sorry, Donald Cerrone, and I, I love him as a fighter in the past. What a crock. This is a guy that has all those UFC fights. You're going to put a show on like that? 40 seconds? And you're going to tell me, oh, he caught me. He caught me with that leg kick. Are you kidding me? How many times have we seen Donald Cerrone get hit, pulverized in the face, throughout the fight, bleeding, his eyes closed shut, and he still lasted the three or five rounds that he fought in. But he gets knocked out by Conor McGregor, a guy that hasn't been in the octagon for three years. Then Conor comes out and he talks about his damn whiskey. Nobody gives a crap about it. I don't care how good his whiskey is. And he goes out, he plauds the fan. And all he talks about is Conor this and Conor that. I fought in 170. I can fight in 155. Oh, and by the way, I'm the only person in UFC history in three different weight classes to knock somebody out in under 40 seconds, under a minute. Who cares? Is that going to put you in the Hall of Fame? It's not going to put him in the Hall of Fame. What it does right now is the UFC right now in the last three years are 10% under stock right now. They're doing very bad. Their pay-per-views are not reaching what it did three years ago with Ronda Rousey, Conor McGregor, and all the superstars that they had in the sport. That's why he brought GSB back. I'm talking about Dana White. 
Conor McGregor was out for three years and you were hearing stories that he was going to retire. Somehow, he comes out of retirement and he comes back and he fights. And of course, they spoon-feed him Donald Cerrone. That whole card was garbage. Now, I understand when you look at all the UFC fans and they love the sport and it doesn't matter who's in the octagon. It doesn't matter because they love the sport so much and they support what the sport is doing right now throughout the country and throughout the world. And for years... Everybody is saying the UFC is going to take over boxing and boxing is never going to be the same. Boy, were you wrong. Because the heavyweight division has never been as strong since the Tyson years. With Deontay Wilder and Fury and Joshua. You're seeing all the divisions like the welterweight division or lightweight division. You have Errol Spence Jr. You have Terrence Crawford. You got Porter. You got Pacquiao still dominating. You have all these upcoming fighters. And yes, you have Canelo Alvarez and Triple G. And all we keep hearing is Conor McGregor wants another fight with Mayweather. And Conor wants to fight Khabib again. And they're trying to set this up, Khabib and Conor too. Because Conor wants to make money. That's what he's all about. Hence the reason why he promotes his damn whiskey every time he steps foot in a ring, an octagon, or in a damn stadium. He's a joke. Publicity stunt. I know a lot of people respect the NFL because they love the game they love to see the hard hits. They love to see the superstar players like Tom Brady, Mahomes, Jimmy Garoppolo, and all the superstar players you saw at the Super Bowl. Also, you like to go to Radio Row. And you like to go over there. The fans like to go over there to see the movie stars, the actors, the musicians, the executives that are there from NFL teams to baseball teams to NBA teams. And I know a lot of people go to the Super Bowl weekend to support the NFL team that they're rooting for that's going to the Super Bowl, or they're just fans that love the game. And they go over there, and they open their pockets. They spend thousands upon thousands of dollars for hotels, going to events, going to concerts that the NFL is promoting and making money off of. And, of course, when you think of the NFL and you think of Super Bowl week, you think of the great commissioner, Roger Goodell. I will tell you guys this. Since the moment I walked off the plane at Miami International, I knew I was going to have a horrible time. Number one, my luggage was lost again. It took them an hour and 15 minutes to find my luggage when I got off the plane. I get off, and then I'm trying to find my rent-a-car because I ordered a rent-a-car. But just so happens the car dealership that I rented out of was not out of the airport. So I had to call an Uber. Now, the Uber almost drove away with my luggage in the trunk. If I didn't run after him, probably about 25, 30 feet down the road, knocking on his window, telling him that he never took out my luggage. But not only that, I got a chance to see my grandfather. And that was the, one of the main reasons why I went down to Miami, because my grandfather lives on the outskirts of Miami. It lives in a very, very nice area right next to the Hard Rock Cafe, which I, I absolutely had a chance to check out. Their casino over there is much nicer than the casinos out here from New Jersey to Connecticut. It's beautiful over there. I got there on Tuesday. I spent the day with my grandfather expecting that I was going to get my credentials to Radio Row the next day. I reached out to the person, and he told me, yeah, come down. We're going to get your credentials. We're going to get you in. I got to the conventional center in Miami at 11 o'clock on Wednesday. Before I get there, I call up and I ask, where do I park my car? They tell me there's a bunch of parking garages on the outskirts of the conventional center. 
It took me almost an hour and 20 minutes to find a parking spot or a parking garage to park my car, which cost me about $40 to park there for about four or five hours. When I finally found a parking spot and I parked my car and I finally walked five flights of stairs to get to the ground floor, I walk through, they check all my bags, and I get through and I say, well, how do I get my credentials? You got to go up the stairs. Before you go up the stairs, they'll ask you for your name. So I go up. I go inside the conventional center and I walk to the escalator and I say, my name is Errol Marks from the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I should be on the list. No, Mr. Marks, you're not on the list. So I said, who would I speak to? Well, there's really nobody you could speak to today. You would have to reach out to the NFL or reach out to one of the executives tomorrow morning so they can get your picture, your photo ID and your date of birth. I said, I'm here for today. I traveled out here. From the outskirts of Miami, it took me almost two hours to get here. I'm standing there. I call one of the guys that told me that my credentials were in. And he tells me, oh, the NFL changed the rules now. And you need to get your ID in and your date of birth in before 12 o'clock the day before. So I said, didn't you give him my information? He says, no, I'll make sure that I have it tomorrow. So I stood there for three hours. He said, wait until three o'clock. Maybe I can get you in. So this is a guy, executive that told me I am free and clear to get into Radio.com the whole week. And I got screwed. So I call up the guy. So then he begins to tell me, well, there are people with no IDs getting upstairs. You just got to find your way in. And I'm like, you want me to sneak in when I was supposed to have credentials to do my interviewing and my reporting? I travel all the way from New York, and the excuses start to come out from these guys. Well, we didn't know the new rules and this and this. And I said, why are you in there? You're not even part of the media. Why are you in there? Well, because this guy owes me a favor. And, and I'm going to take a shot at the NFL because the NFL are a bunch of morons. The NFL accepts credentials from podcasts nobody's even heard of. There are podcasts there that I can guarantee you nobody's ever heard of. I bet you they don't even have one fan that actually listens or downloads their damn show. And they got credentials. And I'm waiting there in the lobby looking like a complete ass, taking pictures and trying to promote the NFL. Why would I take pictures and promote the NFL? Matter of fact, I'm not posting any pictures of the conventional center that I took at Super Bowl 54. You know why? Because I'm not going to promote something that I never got respected for when I got there. It was a sad weekend. Somebody very, very special from the basketball world passed away in a horrific A helicopter crash, Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna pass away. Kobe at 41, Gianna at 13, and nine other people died on that helicopter that day. And I know I want to get into talking about Kobe Bryant and the greatness of who Kobe Bryant was. And really, everybody thinks that I hated on Kobe Bryant all these years. I wasn't a big fan of Kobe Bryant. Everybody knows he wasn't my favorite player. But I know how special he was as a basketball player. And what he did for basketball in a day where Michael Jordan was about done and everybody thought, well, who was going to be the next guy? Kobe Bryant replicated who Michael Jordan was. But the story is really, really sad for really Kobe's wife, Kobe's younger daughter. And the story that came out that Kobe was going to coach his daughter in a basketball game. Obviously, everybody knows that Kobe Bryant throughout the years loves flying in helicopters. He flew to games in helicopters. He travels in helicopters. 
I think he even has his helicopter license. He wasn't flying the helicopter. And if you see the story behind the story where really little bits and pieces of the story is starting to come out. Nobody knows how the plane went down and what really happened in the air and what Kobe was thinking when that helicopter was going down. And you could only imagine what he's thinking for his 13-year-old daughter that really didn't even have a life to really live. I know everybody looks at Kobe Bryant as a hero. Tyler was one of them. And it's a sad, sad day for a lot of his fans. Really, he's a human being. You don't want somebody to die. And I, I know a lot of people probably hated Kobe Bryant because over the years, Kobe used to kill your team in the playoffs. The Sacramento teams that he beat with the Webbers, the Christies, the Bibbies, the Vladi Divac. Stoyakovich. Stoyakovich. Those years in the Sacramento King fans used to hate Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal. But if you don't mourn something like this, I mean, this is a sad, sad day, not only for the NBA, but for people. I mean, there are a lot of innocent people that die every single day in the United States and throughout the world. Kobe is just one person of many that die every day. Kobe stands for something as an NBA player. He had that will, that drive that won him championships. His look towards who he is as a man, as a father, as a husband. And he had his problems on and off the court. When you think of Kobe Bryant, you don't look at Kobe Bryant as a human being. You, you look at him as a superhero because that's what everybody thought he was when he scored 81 points one NBA night. Kobe Bryant changed basketball in ways that you only saw it with very few players. Michael Jordan was one of them. Kobe knew how to hit the big shot with the last seconds of the game. Kobe was great at that. Kobe loved the pressure, or the cameras on top of him when he had to make those fadeaway jump shots. Even off the court, the fights with him and Shaquille O'Neal, how much they hated each other, but loved each other at the same time. Kobe Bryant was special because Kobe Bryant was the only Kobe Bryant. There was nobody like him. Nobody. But I want to get into the national title game because the national title game, to me, was a back-and-forth game really in the first half, and then it completely fell off in the second half with Clemson. Now, I know a lot of people, including me, thought Clemson had a very good shot, a very big shot of winning the national title. They won the national title last year against Alabama. This team has probably the best quarterback in the nation in Lawrence, who looked really, really good in the first half and looked horrific in the second half. Now, a lot of people look at Clemson from last year, the defense, the pass rush that they had, all the first-round draft picks they had. This year, their defense was not as strong. Their secondary was better than it was last year, but their all-around defense, their front seven, was not as good and as dominant as it was against Alabama last year in the national title game. But not just that, they played an LSU team, that's arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. He's not the best quarterback in the nation because I gave you, the, I believe, the best quarterback in the nation, Lawrence, with all the talent in the world. He will be the number one draft pick in next year's first round in the NFL. But Burroughs is going to be the number one pick this year with the Bengals. And he showed again last night why he was the Heisman Trophy winner, why he's been as dominant as he's been offensively with LSU this year. You saw the kid chase. What you saw yesterday was a young wide receiver, completely dominate the line of scrimmage. And I really want to get into this story because everybody wanted to know why I didn't speak about it, about the Super Bowl. And that was Jay-Z and Beyonce not standing for the national anthem. 
Now, I know a lot of people know that Jay-Z signed a contract with the NFL. And the NFL gave him $25 million to practically help promote their sport, help bring in more advertisers, really through what they believe. I, I understand how the NFL works, the whole Colin Kaepernick situation and the kneeling situation. I could see why the NFL wanted to bring in Jay-Z to kind of solidify the situation that everybody thought that the NFL was being racist or just the racism going on right now in the sport of football. And it's not just football. It's all professional sports. But Jay-Z, this is a guy that stands for something. He's almost a billionaire. Beyonce is worth, I think, $300, $400 million. These are two of the biggest artists in the world. And the national anthem goes on, and you see them sit to it. And it really irked a lot of people, a lot of soldiers. It irked a lot of women, women rights. I mean, a lot of women were writing all over Yahoo and Google. I've seen different stories talk about watching and have pictures of Jay-Z and Beyonce sitting to the national anthem when everybody is standing. Now, you make millions and millions of dollars in this country. And the United States has always given you the right to speak, the right to talk, the right to do whatever you want. But standing for the national anthem should be priority for anybody that lives here in the States. I don't care who you are. Jay-Z, Beyonce, Justin Timberlake, Marlon Brando, who's dead, obviously, Jack Nicholas, any one of these guys or girls, ladies and gentlemen. When the national anthem goes on, you should and must stand for it. You take your hat off and you stand for it. Even when a game is replayed, when the national anthem goes on, I'm standing. Because I respect the flag, I respect the colors, and I respect the country that I live in. But for some reason, Jay-Z and Beyonce think that they're bigger than the country. They're bigger than the flag. They're bigger than the United States. I look at everything in a big picture. Just like I look at the NFL in the big picture, I look at this particular situation in the big picture. Is Jay-Z and Beyonce wrong? Absolutely they are. Is anybody going to remember this three weeks from now? They're not. Now this is the problem. Colin Kaepernick has been prosecuted for kneeling for the national anthem. Jay-Z, the same guy that the NFL hired, that spoke badly about the whole Colin Kaepernick thing for his kneeling to the national anthem. That same guy that was speaking bad about Colin Kaepernick is the same guy that didn't stand for the national anthem on national TV for the Super Bowl. I look at the NFL as a joke. This is the same organization that gave Jay-Z $25 million to help grow their product throughout the country because of the whole Colin Kaepernick thing. And this same guy that they paid $25 million to was the same guy that didn't stand for the national anthem. Does it bother me as an American? Absolutely does. Should it bother me? I don't really think it matters. Because Jay-Z, to me, is just another guy that could care less where he's from or what he stands for. All he cares about is the money he puts in his damn pocket. And same thing with Beyonce. Beyonce, a couple of years ago, I think she did the halftime show with the Black Panthers. Her halftime show was basically brought upon, which everybody was talking about, where she had something with the Black Panthers and black rights. And it was the talk of the Super Bowl. And the fact that all those movie stars, including Jay-Z, were there and don't show any respect for our national anthem is a disgrace. And the NFL should absolutely reach out to Jay-Z and his publicist and really... Whoever is a part of that organization with Jay-Z, reach out to the organization and say that we're paying you $25 million to try to take the pressure off of us with the Colin Kaepernick thing. And instead, you're putting more pressure on us because you wouldn't even stand for the national anthem.